This isn't my text, but turn over to John chapter 18 real quick. John chapter 18. John chapter 18. The word of God proclaims in verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou mayest, thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find no fault at all. Turn your Bibles over to Matthew 7 and then go over to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15 declares, Jesus is speaking, Beware false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Jump over to chapter 24. Look at verse 23. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs, false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. And then 1 John chapter 4. Make that second, John, I'm sorry. I'll wake up here in a minute. <coughs> chapter 4. First, or excuse me, verse 1, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you've heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. 
Jesus stood before Pilate. And Pilate asked him what's truth. And of course, Christ claimed, hey, you're looking at truth. Because I am the truth. For that reason I came into the world to share truth. And beloved, I'm here this morning standing before you. Sharing God's word, and and I'll go ahead and tell you, this ain't going to be a popular message. Most preachers don't even want to go where I'm going to go, but God's let it on my heart to share the whole counsel of God. And I am going to share it with you. And again, it's not popular. Most preachers are all about pleasing the people. But when are we going to stand up for what is truth? When are we going to stand up and share the whole counsel of God and stop being afraid of being called a name that's not politically correct. Amen? When are we going to stand up? If we don't do it, who's going to? Listen, you can call me anything you want to. Just like the old saying we had when we were kids, sticks and stones, Break my bones, but the word will never hurt me. I don't care. I've been called to deliver the word of God, and that's what I plan on doing this morning. And you can call me an extremist, a right-winger, a fundamentalist. I'm all of those things. I am extreme when it comes to the word of God because this Bible is God's truth. Amen? It's infallible. Now, I know there are those out there that believe that, well, truth is really what one makes of it. And the truth that I might believe in doesn't apply to you because you don't hold it the way I do. Hooey, fooey. The reason our churches are in the shape that they're in this morning is because we've gotten away from preaching the truth. We've soft-coated it. And we wonder why. Got churches out there. Hey, the Baptist church is in trouble today. You know why it's in trouble? Because we've gotten away from God's word, his standards, and we don't preach it and teach it as we should. We water it down. So, and I'm still not done with my... Uh, introduction. Let's pray. Father, give me the words to say this morning. Let me preach what you've laid upon my heart. May I preach with boldness and authority. And Father God, I just ask you help me. Help me to stand. Lord, make me right before you. Cleanse me from head to toe. Lord, may I be a vessel that you can use this morning. May your sheep be fed the word of God this morning. And Lord, if there's one amongst us that doesn't know you, I pray, Father, they'll be saved before it's too late. Again, you've heard the prayer requests. Lord, you know the prayer requests on our hearts. We just uh, lift them before your throne and seek your will be done. Again, may we as a body guard ourselves from those that would try to come in and teach and preach things that aren't from your word. Help us, Lord, 
to stand and guard against Satan who wants to destroy your church. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, <coughs> I better get a swig of water real quick. Jesus said he's the truth. Y'all believe that? You believe this Bible is God's infallible word? Praise the Lord. I'm here to tell you there's some that don't believe that. There's some will tell you that really a person should serve God, but it really doesn't matter what kind of God it is. And there's more than one way to heaven. You know, as long as you're sincere, you'll get there eventually. Well, I'm here to tell you there's only one person that died for the sins of the world, sacrificed himself to atone for the sins of mankind. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through that person, the Lord Jesus Christ, that died on the cross of Calvary. There's not many ways. And I'm going to tell you, I hold, you know who I hold responsible? Preachers behind the pulpit. That's who's responsible, and there's going to be some answering one day. Amen? They're going to answer for not sharing the whole counsel of God. And as I said, our Baptist faith is in trouble today. We're getting farther and farther away from the Word of God and we're compromising more and more because we don't want to offend anybody. We want to be all-inclusive. You see, Jesus said there'd be false teachers. Jesus said that they would be as wolves in sheep's clothing. And he said that we should guard ourselves, protect ourselves. And of course, he's addressing the church. Now, how many of you read the book of Acts? That's a good book. That'll preach. And that is the early beginning of the Lord's church. That's the act of the apostles. Right, brother? But there's a book in the Bible that is right next to the very last book in the Bible called Jude. And you know what it is? It is a book about, as we said, the beginning of the church. Well, this is the ending of the church before the Lord returns. And he addresses the same thing as far as false teachers and apostates. And Jude, who was the half-brother of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, James's brother, addresses this. Now, the book of Jude was written uh, between 68 and 78 A.D., according to theologians. But the point of it is this. It was written to warn us. You see, even back in Jude's day, even back time of the early church, the devil was doing everything in his power to thwart the gospel from being proclaimed. And folks, it hadn't changed. Yes, the devil has been the prince and power of the air of this old world for thousands of years, but listen to me, it's not going to compare. In fact, it's a kick in the bucket 
compared to what one day was going to happen to him when he kicked into hell for all eternity. So since we're talking about Jude, turn over there with me, would you? This is a short book. There's only 25 verses. And don't be afraid. I'm not going to preach all 25 verses, okay? Don't be afraid. But I am going to preach this morning. I know we watch the news, don't we? How many is happy with watching the news? More like depressed, aggravated, and angry? Last night, well, there goes all my stuff. Last night, I was channel surfing, and I don't even know what was the name of the program. Remember, he was out there, they were protesting abortion. These women are all upset. Oh, they're angry. Oh, they're, they're cursing God. They're cursing his church. And they're all just vile. And this guy was interviewing some of them. And as I sat there, I stopped. And I, I just wanted to hear their opinions. And by the way, it's their opinion. What they don't realize is there is an authority. What they don't realize his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And what he says goes. It doesn't matter what they say. And anyways, he was in interviewing these people and these women. It's my body, I'll do. No, it's God's body. You've borrowed it. He's given you life. You're using, you're in the body, but it's not your body it's his body. And I know it's not popular, but anybody that believes it's okay to have an abortion, you're saying it's okay to murder. Now, that's not popular. And again, I'm considered an extremist because I preach and tell you it's murder in the eyes of God and you will give an account to God one day. Now understand this though, even though it's a gross sin and God hates it, you say, oh, he doesn't, he hates hands that shed innocent blood. Proverbs chapter 6, understand, even though he hates that awful act, the act of murder, he will forgive you if you'll repent. And turn from that sin. And that's any sin that we commit. But I watched that. And this one gal. I'll tell you what went across my mind. If that was my daughter. I'd pull every hair she had on top of her head out. For saying what she said. About God. And the church. You can. Your God. You can. Your church. And I thought to myself. My Bible says that every word that comes out of our mouth, we're going to give an account for. And you know what? She Years may go by, but one day she'll stand before God, and he's going to say, and do you remember what you said here? No, I forgot. He didn't. It's recorded. Now, 
Beloved, verse 3 of Jude, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, and that's Jude talking about salvation. What is salvation? It's grace through faith in the atoning death of Jesus Christ our Lord. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's what Jude was preaching. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it is needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Why should they contend for the faith? Because apostates, false teachers, got into the church and they began to preach and teach damnable heresies. And he was telling those of the church, the body of Christ, you have to stand for the truth. Boy, if ever was a time for we need to stand for the truth, it's today. Amen. Now, notice what he says. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of, of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord into the civishness, which is evil wickedness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to contend for the faith, brother, against those. We were warned by Jesus himself there would be false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing. John tells us, Peter tells us, that there will be false teachers or apostates that are there. And the devil got a pretty good game going. He's perfected his tactics. He's always been about getting inside the church and trying to get the church to get away from the word of God, the truth. And he does it so subtly, doesn't he? He might take one little verse or two or three little words or one little doctrine and avert from it just, just a little bit, just a little and because people don't know the word of God, guess what? They get tripped up. They start believing it. And that is the downfall of the church then. And then when they do get a God-called pastor and he confronts it, oh, he's the crazy one. We got to get rid of him. He's just an old troublemaker. Well, I'd rather have a pastor that is a troublemaker that will stand for God's word and not compromise it than have all of these fluffy guys that, you know, they dress nice, they smell nice, they got pretty hair. Listen, sometimes I wonder, but it ain't, I don't know their hearts, I can't judge. But my call, I guess, was a little different than theirs. Amen.
I'll be the first to tell you. When God called me, I, I did what Moses did. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. No. I don't know enough. And uh, I remember how growing up we treated our pastor. Uh-uh. I don't want to be a pastor. God had a different idea. And I tell you what, it's not been easy all these years, but I wouldn't trade it for nothing. I love the ministry. I love the people. Sometimes the people can drive me crazy. But don't we drive the Lord crazy? I would think so. But you know what never changes about the Lord? He continues to love us. His love is unconditional. But my point is this. I blame. The reason society is in the shape she's in today. We like to blame generations. But folks, it all goes back to the pulpit. We've gotten away from preaching and proclaiming the word of God as infallible. Today, there are people out there that question. There will be people out there that will tell you, well, what applied back then does not apply today. When Paul addressed this situation, it was back then. That was the custom, but it's no longer that away. My Bible says that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And not only is he the same, so is his word. Amen. Amen. Now, notice what he says here. This is, this passage I'm fixing to read is very sober. It's a sobering passage in thought. Verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this. He, Jude, is going back and reminding the people that they knew this, but they had gotten away from it. And that is where our churches are today. We know the word of God. We know what is doctrinally sound. And we are getting away from it. Notice. How that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt. Afterward destroyed them and believed not. Now I assure you the Jews back then knew the story of how God delivered the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. Everybody knew that. That was passed down. But, again, some of them got away from it. I know Christians that have been in church. They know the Word of God. They've been taught the Word of God. And yet, they have wandered and strayed away from it. I'll get in trouble. Some of the wickedest people I've ever met were once leaders in the Lord's church. Wicked. Doing things that you just, you've got to be kidding me. How did this happen? It's because they diverted from the truth of God's word. Now the children of Israel, God heard their prayers and their pleas he delivered them out of bondage why did he do it was it because they deserved it no 
He loved them. And let me tell you, he delivered them. You and I have been delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Those of us that know him as our Lord and Savior, we've been delivered. We're saved. But he's reminding them. And notice what it says. That having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. You see, you've read the account in Exodus. After God sends Moses to lead the children of Israel to the promised land, he delivers them out of bondage. And what? happens well it started off with a little murmuring and complaining it just started off with just a few I'm sure but before you knew it everybody was murmuring and complaining everybody thought that brought us out here to perish to die we were better off if we had stayed well, first of all, they sinned when they begin to talk and backbite God's leader and God's plan that he had for them. They sinned. And let me remind you, what starts off as a little sin, like I say, a little murmuring, a little complaining, ends up leavening the whole lump, huh? And they begin to complain. And they turned their backs on God. They got to a point where they didn't have faith anymore, didn't trust him anymore. Well, guess what God did? He judged them. How did he judge them, Pastor? Well, other than Caleb and Joshua and all of those under the age of 20, everybody else perished. He wouldn't allow them into the promised land. Why? Because of their sin. And Jude is reminding the church, if you will, that we need to guard ourselves concerning sin. We think that no one knows or a little won't hurt us, but it ends up compromising everyone and everything. So we need to be careful. Now, notice what else he says here. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. Now, we know that Lucifer, Satan, and those that rebelled with him in heaven were kicked out of heaven. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of detail. But the reason they were kicked out was because of Pride. You see, Satan wanted everybody to fall down and worship him. And God kicked him and the angels that went with him out. Now, let me say this, because the Bible doesn't say this, so I am not sure. This is just me. Because I know God is a God of grace. It would not 
surprise me if God didn't give Satan the opportunity and those angels to repent. But he, Satan, and the angels chose being expelled from the presence of glory in God than to submit to God. There's people out there in the world today that choose that choose to rebel and not submit and therefore be expelled from God's presence than to bow and serve him. Isn't that a shame? It's all over today. You see it everywhere. This is what's, you know, I ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but sometimes things, I think about things. Here's Satan, those that rebelled with him, in a perfect place. They were in heaven around the throne of God. They were there in a place where it was constant worship of God. And yet, some way, somehow, wasn't good enough. I want the worship. I want people to bow before me. Well, it's true, we're all going to bow one day, aren't we? And we are going to confess that Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. But he didn't want to submit. People, I said it a moment ago, are out in the world today that, you know what? They come through those doors. They come to worship, although they don't get nothing out of the service. They don't really worship. They hear God's word preached. They hear it taught in Sunday school, but they don't ever feel his presence. And you know why? It's because God's presence presence is not with them because they also have chosen to be expelled from God instead of submitting to God. Absolutely. And that's what he's talking about. But notice what he said here. He said, left their own habitation. He hath reserved an everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. That great day, of course, he's referring to is the judgment of God when God pours out his wrath. God is going to put Satan and those that rebelled with him into chains. And they're going to be cast into hell. And they will be there forever and forever and forever. Anyone that rejects Jesus Christ, anyone that doesn't accept Jesus as Savior and doesn't accept God's way of salvation, they will also be bound and cast into the lake of fire forever and forever. Now that's not popular. Oh, preacher, don't talk about that hell stuff. Hey, hell is real. It's as real as I'm standing before you. And it's for those 
that reject Jesus Christ. Now, that great day. Now, let's look at verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and by the way, Jude's reminding them about Sodom and Gomorrah. They knew the story. Amen? So do we, don't we? Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner. You see, Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked, vile city. And not only did God pour out his wrath and judgment upon that city for their sins, notice it also affected cities around it. Sin does affect everything, does it not? In like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, I'm fixing to say a few things, and again, today it would be called hate speech, according to society, because they want us to include and want us to just accept the lifestyle of what God Claims is an abomination to him. Listen to me. Homosexuality. Lesbianism. Transgendered. Gay. Queer. All of that is an abomination to sin. It is to God. It's sin. It's an abomination. And when God calls it an abomination, it means he doesn't even want to waste his breath. That's how bad it is. Now, society, the government will tell us, you just need to get over it. You need to accept them and listen to me. As far as coming to church, they are welcome to hear the word of God, but they're never going to take leadership positions as long as I'm pastor. They are welcome to come, give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ will forgive them of their sins, and they'll be new in Christ. And listen to me, they will be a new creature in Christ Jesus. There will be a change. You will not stay in that lifestyle. You stay in that lifestyle and you tell me you're saved, you're not saved. I'm sorry, you're kidding yourself. Understand. Well, don't take my word for it. I, I heard one of those gals on the news, oh can't even remember her name. She's, she's one of those uh, network. But she was talking about homosexuals. And she goes, well, you, you understand that it's changed. Time. You know, we have to just make up our mind. We got to live with them. Uh, I have to get along with them as far as be nice and share Christ with them, not harm them, not point fingers and mistreat them, but I don't have to abide in their sin. I don't have to hang around them and that lifestyle. And I'm going to go ahead and say it before we turn to our scriptures that I want to read. Our kids, they're after them. Satan 
is after our kids. And he's using this. And I'm going to really light your shucks. Our stinking government is after our kids. You said, Brother John, you said stinking government. I can't help it. It stinks. Because they want to force these lifestyles that are ungodly, unholy. They want to force our kids to just give into it. And by the way, if you teach, get them while they're young, it'll be a lot easier to teach them. That's not popular. Hate speech, hate speech. You call it what you want, but it's God's word. Real quick, turn to Leviticus 18. Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18. Oh, that gal I was telling you about, that newscaster. (laughs) She was silly enough to say that homosexuality wasn't in the Bible. I said, not only is it in the Old Testament, I'm going to show you where it is in the New Testament. Leviticus 18, 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. You say, well, that's the Old Testament preacher. Let's go to the New Testament then. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Verse 26, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. You say, well, that's only one verse in the New Testament. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not? that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And of course, verse 10 says, Thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. They won't inherit the kingdom of God. But if you go back to verse 9, when he's talking about the, those that are infinite, effinite, can't even pronounce the word. I know what it means. Go ahead, brother. Thank you. Effeminate. <laughs> you ever seen such a push to get our kids to be transgendered today? Yeah, yeah. 
you know what's sickening? You know, when I was growing up, Mom, we, we, we didn't even talk about that stuff because we didn't know anything about that stuff. But just in the last 10, 15, 20 years, it's rampant. Now, those that are transgendered, oh, Brother John, they have a mental problem. They sure do. But they also have a sin problem. They're not happy with what God gave them in life. You see, God makes you either a man or a woman. And you don't choose, oh, now what, I, I don't want to be a woman. I want to be a man. Well, I don't want to be a man. I would feel like a woman today. I, ain't I pretty in this dress? If my son, if he ever come to me in a dress, he, yes, sister, he wouldn't be around anymore. I would like to see me, oh, huh, my dad, he would have just shot me in the head right then. I had a son, I no longer do. And it's not because he's wearing a dress, it's because I put an end to him. Amen? No. Those transgenders, oh, bless them, they're good people, they're lost, they're headed to hell according to the word of God. And church, we have a responsibility to get them to Jesus. But listen to me, that doesn't mean we say, you know what, I accept you the way you are. Uh-uh. You show them where they are wrong. And then, of course, abusers of themselves with mankind. That is your homosexual. Have you ever seen it? I mean, you can't even turn on television now. Every program has someone that is gay. Character. It's, a, it's just sickening. That's all I can say, it's sickening. And if it grosses me out, what does it do with the Lord? If it makes me nauseous, you know, he can't even look upon sin. Go back to our text. Look, for even the Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities above them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I didn't say it, God's word said it. What are they going to suffer? Hell, if they don't repent, turn from their sin, right? That's what it says. Don't let any of you say, oh, I'm saved. No, not according to this. You can be saved. If you're not saved, you're going to hell if you don't change your ways. Trust Jesus. Likewise, and when he uses the word likewise, Jude here, he is including everything that he's just said. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. You say, well, what's he talking about? He's talking about those that give in to all of their evil imaginations. They think about it, they dream about it, and they perform it and do it. Filthy dreamers. Whatever they can conjure up in their mind. 
get in trouble, but we live in a city of filthy dreams. We do. Whatever they can conjure up is peddled. Amen? Defile the flesh. Can't control the flesh. Despise dominion. There are those that despise authority. This generation of young people, I have never in my life seen such a lack of respect for society and authority. When I say society, I'm talking about as parents, as preachers, as teachers, as policemen. I've never seen such a lack of respect for authority. And worst case of all, there's those out there that lack respect for the authority of Almighty God. Us Christians, especially our kids, they go to school, and their little friends ask them, where'd you go? Legit? What'd you do yesterday? Oh, we went to church. Are you kidding? You believe that stuff? They're made fun of. And oh, you're going where? Vacation Bible school? Ooh, that sounds boring. Again, lack of authority. Lack for authority. And then notice this last thing he said, and speak evil of dignities. And of course, every movie Hollywood makes anymore has to be the Lord's name in vain. That's speaking evil of our Lord. Speaking evil of God. Everywhere you look, would you say what we're seeing today is what Jude's trying to warn us from. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> Understand. It's going to get worse before Jesus returns. But he's, he's going to return. And I pray and hasten for the day that he comes back and we won't have to worry about all of this anymore but while we're still here we have to guard and protect ourselves and the church and it won't surprise me one day when they're going to say we're locking the doors that old fat preacher you got is preaching hate we closing it down. I would say this. Let them take me to jail, but you continue to serve God and you stand. 
Amen. Hey, they'll let me go because they don't want to deal with me bragging on Jesus. They'll let me go. But my point is this. Jude was written because the end of the church age would one day come. And I believe we're in the end of the church age. And I believe it's close to the Lord's return. But we have to be mindful there will be apostates. That's those false teachers that will crawl in unaware. And it all begins with that. And it all begins by not preaching the truth. Not standing for truth. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, know the truth. Stand for the Word of God, even if it's not popular. If you're here under the sound of my voice, and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, what I've been preaching has kind of went over your head, but you feel the Holy Spirit just kind of tugging at your heart, saying, hmm, there's something about this Jesus. Well, you're right, there is. You see, he's God's own begotten son that God sent into the world to sacrifice himself to pay for our sins. And it wasn't just enough that he died to atone for our sins, but because of God's mighty power of resurrection on the third day, he, defe he defeated death, hell, and the grave for us. And it's through his mighty resurrection that we have eternal life. It is a sure thing. And he offers it to anyone who will just come and accept his gift. So if you're here and you've yet to do that, I urge you, give your heart to Jesus. Lone Mountain. Let's stand. We may be few, but guess what? We're strong in the word. And we're strong as long as he's with us. If we stand for this, we don't ever have to worry about him not being with us. Amen.